Hello and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 235. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Mark Houston Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Moonshots family. Good morning, listeners, viewers, as well as members. Mike, I think once again, it's fair to say that we have not only a brand new action-packed episode in store today, but we're actually kicking off a brand new series on the Moonshot Show, aren't we? Do we have special sound effects for a new series? Maybe we should get some. Ah, yes. You know what? I should have got the, uh, well, I can't use the trumpet. Instead, I'll do crowds. Ah, yeah, Moonshots, yay. There you go. Uh, You've heard it live, us prototyping our uh, second mnemonic sound (laughs) in the Moonshot (laughs) podcast. Let's hope that the rest of this show is a little bit more intelligent, Mark. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe, because, Mike, today is all about intelligence. However, on a uh, new angle of intelligence, uh, kicking off this brand new series on relationships, we kick off with Daniel Goleman's Emotional Intelligence why it can matter more than IQ. Now, Mike, for those who maybe haven't necessarily read Daniel Coleman before, he's a New York Times bestseller. In fact, his book, Emotional Intelligence, actually came out in 1995, and it was on the New York bestselling times list for over a year and a half, often the bestselling book in most countries. And it was uh, released in 40 of them. So this book, obviously, as we're going to dig into today, really helps us understand and even uh, create a division perhaps between intelligence and what emotional intelligence is. Because Mike, as you and I and our listeners and members have probably experienced, emotions can often get in the way of our thoughts, decision-making, as well as our successes. So today, I think within this book, we're really going to understand a little bit more around what is emotional intelligence and maybe how we can keep it in check or maybe even improve upon it. Yeah, so if you've been part of a team and the vibe hasn't quite been the best, if you've been part of a relationship and the the vibes haven't been too good there either, Emotional Intelligence is the book that created the category. Um, you know, you might have heard of people talk about EQ, right? Um, this is where it came from. This is the source. This is really the go-to place. If you want to be the best version of yourself, You need others because life is a team sport. That's been a big theme of Moonshots, hasn't it, Mark? It has. Team sport, this idea of uh, collaboration. We saw it a lot within our recent series with Michael Bungaistania, with the advice trap, as well as the the ideas of coaching. But also, Mike, we've dug into this concept of working with people pretty much in, I want to say, maybe even the majority of the shows, because at the end of the day, we all want to live positive Uh, influential and effective lives. And I think it's fair to say that you have to work with others in order to have that, in order to become better at yourself. You often have to get others involved, right? That's right. And what we're going to learn from Goldman is that you need to work on yourself to work on your relationship with others. You need to work on your emotions if you want to work on your health, because all of these things are interconnected. And like life, like the very the source of the Moonshot show, What we've discovered to be the best you can be professionally, you have to be the best you can be personally. So this is a book very close to our hearts. It's got so much to give. So, Mark, I think we should jump right on in. 
Let's dive straight in to hear Daniel Goleman, who's the author of the book, Emotional Intelligence. This clip, Mike, is particularly dynamic. So I think we're really kicking us our new series off with a bang. And Daniel is going to break down for us a key inspiration moment, which is all about the fact that emotional intelligence can be learned. Emotional intelligence can be learned. And this is the good news. Uh, unlike IQ, which doesn't change from birth, uh, it's really an index of how quickly the brain can learn. Every emotional intelligence skill is learned and learnable. Uh, children start to learn it, but you know, when you're an infant and your mom or your dad picks you up when you're crying and helps you calm down, that's a lesson in emotional intelligence. We learn it through life. If someone who's a leader has a deficiency, say, in empathy, or in managing their emotions, whatever it may be, that person can be helped. But first, you have to know, do you care? So the first question is, do you care? Uh, do you uh, really want to put in the time and effort it's going to take? If you don't, you should stop right there. Second, a person needs a good uh, understanding of how others perceive them so that they can know what is the, what are my strengths, what are the places I could improve. Third, you need to make an understanding with yourself, something like a personal contract, that once you've chosen what you want to work on, say becoming a better listener, you're going to, every time you have a naturally occurring opportunity, you're going to practice that skill. I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to forget my thought, train of thought, and focus on the other person. Listen well. And then the fourth step is to practice that at every opportunity that comes along. If you do that for three or four months, you'll find a moment comes when you do the better thing, the new way, without having to think about it. And that means that your brain has changed. You've made stronger connections for this new way of doing things, and that will stay with you for life. Actually, uh, the most reliable method for detecting emotional intelligence is a work simulation, a challenge to the person to handle a problem on the spot, to help two people settle a disagreement, for example. Uh, there are some companies that actually set up situations. They'll hire actors to have a disagreement and ask the candidate to help them settle it. So uh, others will set up a work simulation, which is a highly stressful uh, a, a scenario. So the person has to handle that scenario on the spot. Another way to do it during the interview is to ask someone to describe a time they made a terrible mistake and they had a setback. Not their uh, most successful moment, but a big failure and how they handled it and what they would have needed to be better at it. This gives you some sense of whether they have insight, whether they have self-awareness. Oh, Mark, you know, you're up, you're, you're really causing havoc for us there because there's so much in that clip. We could just pause and just deconstruct that very clip for the rest of the show, <laughs> right? Yeah, we, we're, we're packing a few big insights into yes. that initial clip already. Yeah. And I think the key takeaway, in fact, there's a number of key takeaways that we can break down. But obviously, as we were hearing from Goldman right at the start of that clip, it was the reinforcing a fact that when you are sitting back and you wonder, I can't change how I think about things, I can't change 
how anybody else reacts because that's just how people are, are hardwired. I think the call out here from Goldman is no way. It can be changed. You can spend time to become, let's say, more patient. You can become uh, maybe less boring or bored. You can become less grumpy. All from just taking ownership and knowing it's just something I need to work on like anything else, like fitness. It's something I just need to practice, make into a habit. Yeah, and that practice really begins with his keyword of caring, right, that he talked about at the beginning. And um, Mm -hmm. for those of us that may find that a little odd, where I think he's really going is if you want people to care about you, you need to care about them. And I think it's that's where you've got to start, particularly if you're trying to develop emotional intelligence. Because if you do care about uh, people, you will invariably ask yourself, what can I do to help them and to help them perform in this given relationship, team, work setting? And what's on the other side of that is enormous gains. You think about it. If you're someone on the team that always takes time to listen, understand, and support in the right way to the challenges of your colleagues, everyone's going to want to hang out with you. Everyone's going to want to do a project with you, right? If you're not doing any of that, it's a pretty lopsided transaction where you're taking and not giving. And I think that that's really um, something that gets you in a very isolated uh, manner. So if you're sitting there wondering why none of your colleagues are helping you out, rather than blaming them, maybe you need to take a look at yourself, which is really that big first idea, isn't it, from – um, this idea of emotional intelligence. You've got to work on it yourself if you want others to care about you. Mm. And I, I like that build that he then goes into in that clip, which is obviously you said you've got to start by uh, noticing whether you care enough and you care to change, but also you care about other people <clears throat> because then the next set is how are you perceived? Because if you then shift from, okay, well, I care about these individuals. I therefore care about what they think of me, and therefore I'm going to seek out feedback. I'm going to look for constructive criticism. I'm not going to take everything too personal or get irate if somebody tells me something that I don't necessarily want to hear. Instead, you're building these practices to, I suppose, be empathetic towards others with how they're feeling. But also, I think Goldman's uh, uh, introducing us to the idea that you should also seek out getting points of view from others, because if you really do care what they think, go and ask them. Yes. What do you think? How am I reacting to things? Help me get better. Yeah. And listen, regardless, uh, you know, most people have great intentions, but if they're not being perceived as such, then of course you want to hear that. You don't blame the the audience. Maybe your message isn't right. Maybe you're not listening Maybe you're not tuning in to their wavelength. But I tell you what, we are certainly tuned into the wavelength of our members, Mark. Oh, boy, are we. And I'll tell you what, Mike, this member list just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So before we get to a point where the show needs to become two hours long, let me jump straight in and do what I think everybody's tuned in to hear, which is a announcement of our moonshots members, including Bob, Marjolaine, Ken, Dietmar, Marjan, Connor, Rodrigo, and Lisa, Sid, Mr. Bonjour, Paul, Berg, Kalman, Joe, Christian, Samuela, Barbara, and Andre, 
Eric, Chris, Deborah, Lasse, Steve, Craig, Daniel, Andrew, Ravi, Yvette, Karen, and Raul, all of whom are our annual members. Unlike usual, of course, those individuals are hot on the uh, hot on the heels, I should say, with PJ, Nicoara, Ola, Ingram, Dirk, Emily, Harry, Karthik, Venkata, Marco, and Jet. Roger, Anna, Raw, Nimelen, Diana, Christoph, Denise, Laura, Smitty, and Corey, Bertram, Daniela, Mike, Dan, Antonio, Vanessa, and Zachary, and Mike with our brand new members, Brian, Katty, and Austin, who have joined us recently as well. Boy, that is getting a big old healthy list of members for the Moonshot Show. Yes. Well said and well done uh, to those members. Thank you for your support. We really do appreciate it. It helps us pay for all these pesky little costs that come up when you have a show that's watched and listened to by over 100,000 people a month. The hosting bills alone are a bit bonkers, but that's a good problem to have. And another good opportunity in life is actually to learn how to develop EQ mark. So how might we help our members there? Well, I think why don't we now hear from Mind Tools videos who are going to actually do the job for us, Mike. Let's hear from them and understand the first three lessons to learning emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence refers to the ability to recognize, interpret, and process emotions in yourself and others. While genetics, upbringing, and environment all play a role. There are steps you can take to develop your emotional intelligence over time. Get to know yourself. Emotionally intelligent people are self-aware. They have a realistic appreciation of their strengths and weaknesses and how they come across to others. Peer feedback is one way of improving your self-awareness and may uncover a few of your emotional blind spots. Learn your triggers. Linked to the notion of self-awareness is knowing how you are likely to respond in particular situations. Think about how you felt the last time you were under pressure. Did these feelings help or hinder you? Recognizing emotions and the source of these emotions can shift your emotional state. Empathize. Seeing things from someone else's perspective will help you understand their values and beliefs. This is important when it comes to motivating and engaging others. Make a conscious effort to get to know your colleagues. Ask open questions and actively listen to what they have to say rather than simply waiting for your turn to speak. Be on the lookout for body language and other non-verbal signs, mm. as these may tell you more than someone is willing to express out loud. Own your emotions. Part of being emotionally intelligent is about taking responsibility for the way you interact with others. If someone upsets you, Pause and reflect on why their actions led you to feel this way, instead of reacting impulsively. Recognize that a conversation is a two-way interaction, and it takes two people to make you angry, sad, or frustrated. Go with your gut. Finally, listen to 
your body. If your stomach starts doing backflips every time you speak to a senior manager or your muscles tense up before you go into a meeting, what does this tell you? Counterintuitive as it might seem, emotions can be a valuable source of information when making rational decisions at work. Remember, emotional intelligence isn't about suppressing emotions. It's about learning how to recognize, process, and channel them in a way that benefits you and your team. Enhancing your emotional intelligence requires effort, but it can be achieved with sustained practice. What that must get the award for being the most pleasant clip we've ever played <laughs> on the Moonshine podcast. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's such a wonderful animation, actually. Yeah, it's, but it's the very- voice and the music, it was just so wonderful. <laughs> um look, Mark, the the interesting thing here is how do we better understand ourselves? And we touched on already some of the key things that video mentioned feedback, self-awareness, physical reaction, and and so forth. I wanted to share a little personal uh, thing that I did, and that was I went and did the 16personalities.com Myers-Briggs personality analysis. Mm. And I found that one of the single best ways of better understanding myself and my emotions and working on myself. She, as she went through that list, the triggers, all of those things I found through doing that test. It's totally a free test. So check out 16personalities.com. Many of you may have heard of Myers Briggs, and that's what uh, 16 Personalities is, is based on. So the, the heart of this with our personalities, even though we're all unique, we do have like, how would I describe that? Very common uh, personality traits with others and behaviors. And obviously, you know, your behaviors and your personality are very much driven by your emotions, right? And um, what I found really interesting is I'm now looking at my profile on 16 personalities. And it says I'm an ENFJ. So it says, well, here are my, and this is really important. It, it gives me some um, some positives, which were self-affirming. and But here's this interesting part, weaknesses. So people like me can be unrealistic, overly idealistic. We can sometimes be condescending to others, intense or overly empathetic. Now, what it goes on to do is to sh- to kind of provide descriptions and tools for people who have the strengths and weaknesses of my personality type. And I found this really um, insightful. With my personality type and my emotional type, we are what we call harmony seekers. And what I've found is a lot of my anger, frustration, challenge, stress, and anxiety comes from the absence of harmony. And I got all of this self-understanding about my emotions and my behaviors through doing this test. And it has been really, it's like a revelation, Mark, when you get these insights and 
when you use tools like this, it's a great way to frame your personality type. And yeah. it really helps you with some of these key things you've got on, on the screen. Not only your awareness, but you know when there's a lack of harmony, you can manage yourself like, oh, this I know that this is a, not a good place for me to be. Yeah. Social yeah. awareness, you know, being really tuned in to how you work well, the types you work well with, the ones that you don't, and then managing appropriately after that. So there's just so many ways to go about this. You can ask your colleagues and your friends, your family members. Um, you can go and do these online tests. These are all ways of revealing who you are and take what you want from these things, whether it's someone's feedback or a tool. But I think it's all about getting some black and white facts on the table because I think too often we're so caught and bound by our emotions, we don't even realize behaviors and responses because they're driven mm. by these deep emotions. So if you can just begin to understand those a little bit, if you understand them better about yourself, then there's a very good chance you'll understand them in others too. I, I think that's exactly the invitation that Daniel Goleman has for us in this book. I think the idea of emotions for myself has always been, uh, it's, it's kind of like magic. You know, everybody's got them, everybody reacts differently. And sometimes those emotions are influenced by external factors. It's not always, um, you know, what you've experienced at work. Sometimes it's all the way down to your, you know, your DNA, how well, you were raised. Or exactly like, you said. like you said, it's a bit of, bit of a mystery. I mean, it's not like we all did emotional management 101. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> That's it. And I, and I think, you know, tools like 16 personalities, which I've done as well, and it is a fantastic um, addition in the armory that you have around yourself as you're getting to know yourself in revealing maybe uh, traits that you are aware of. You know, for example, uh, maybe you're overly optimistic or, or people pleasing or adventurous. At the same time, it can then showcase, okay, well, you worry too much or you're slow to act. These facets can be used in, a co in accompaniment with getting personal feedback from those around you, whether that's a spouse, uh, a mentor, colleagues, a leader, um, they can all be utilized all at the same time, can't they? I think the other build, Mike, that I've noticed uh, for myself at least is uh, what we were hearing towards the beginning of that video, which is recognizing your uh, behaviors. Right. So we've obviously discussed the idea of you know, noting your, your body tensing up when you're getting a bit nervous. I think it goes even more than that, similar to what we heard in the video as well, with regards to, you know, feeling, feeling it in your gut and so on. We've always heard this phrase, you know, follow your gut. I think actually what we're being reminded of here is that's a saying because it's nature. It's yeah. a real reason. Absolutely. I think Daniel Goleman is introducing us to this not necessarily being magic anymore. These are orientated around uh, behaviors and habits that we formed as children and through our careers. So the weaknesses that we have, although they might be attached to um, a particular personality trait, that's because you've you've kind of gone down that route. Once you get aware of it, as Daniel Goldman's telling us, well, you can maybe influence, you can become a little bit better at it. And it's possible that those traits then change. I think for me, understanding that and understanding a little bit about what um, upsets me and upset being things that, you know, perhaps keep me up at night, make me uh, not necessarily do the best work, are only really combated from actions that I take. 
I can't expect my colleagues or boss to turn around and, and change everything for me just because I'm feeling a bit uh, maybe down in the dumps. Instead, it's something that I need to take proactive interest in, yes. ownership of, yes. and therefore go out and find that solution to try and get myself maybe back on track. And listen, like once you identify um, through whatever feedback that you have a tendency, man, there's a thing called Dr. Google. You just jump in there and say, how do I stop getting so frustrated with X, Y, and Z or stressed over X, Y, and Z? And you will find a ton of starting points. Um, And I think that's the key thing here. Once you understand your emotional spectrum, you can do so much to set yourself up for success, even just when you see behaviors from others that you know are a trigger for you that can cause you to feel frustration, anger, et cetera. Even just being capable of separating yourself and observing that behavior in yourself, like this is really starting to frustrate me, but I know why now. And I'm going to take this course of action. It could be a way of thinking, a way of responding, or it could be if those are not sufficient, remove yourself from the situation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just having that awareness, right. isn't it? It's understanding. And I think that's that's the key benefit that emotionally intelligent people have, which is Goldman's uh, illustration to us. They are more balanced. Mm. And I think that's something that you don't necessarily achieve unless you were willing to look at the scales, understand what's weighing positively and what's weighing negatively, and either combat them and break them down to understand a little bit more, or notice, acknowledge, and move on. And I think that's the big big, uh, invitation he has for us, isn't it? Yeah. And here's the big empowerment step for all of us, which is... You don't have to keep on going in a situation that's not positive or constructive for you emotionally. You have the power and how you perceive and respond to said situation or people. And that's the big thing. Like so much of what we learned about the happiness series, happiness is a choice. Emotional state is a choice. Now, admittedly, it is harder for others, for some uh, over others. Maybe you have certain strong tendencies that are a bigger battle to change, in the end of the day, you can. You really can modify your emotional state. And I think that's so good because if you continually work towards satisfaction, fulfillment, happiness, Mm -hmm. and fine-tune all these things, all these stresses and how you see them and respond to them, that response is your choice, which you control 100%. And, and similarly to you, Mike, you know, I've done the 16 personalities test. I am an ENFP. And one of the weaknesses that I've just looked up was people pleasing. So most campaigners, which is the, the trade I am, are uncomfortable with the prospect of being disliked. Um, and that's certainly something I noticed yeah. throughout all my life. So yeah. what, what can I do by taking ownership of that? Yeah. Well, I can make sure that I'm more like a duck, water off a duck's back. I sure. don't need to be concerned. It's my choice more so than something that's going to stop me being that best version of myself or working hard and accomplishing the things I want to go out and do. It's so very that, empowering. Yeah, that's a direct um, result. This empowerment is a direct result of better understanding yourself and your emotions and your behaviors, and you can do something about it. Like so much in life comes down to the work you're prepared to put into it. If you're not feeling great, 
you have to be prepared to do the work for yourself to get out of it. You're feeling good, but you want to feel great, you got to do the work. But I tell you how else you can do the work, Mark, just to get your cross the line. You can go to a very famous, a very illustrious website destination, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think one of the tools in that armory that I go out and take a look at all the time to try and keep myself on track, keep myself growing each day is a little destination or maybe maybe not little anymore. It's a uh, out of this world destination yeah. moonshots.io. You can pop along, you can check out all of the Moonshots podcast shows, 235 right now. You can find show notes, you can find clips, you can find transcripts as well as signing up to become that even more illustrious point of being a Moonshots member. Oh, imagine all that good karma you could attract, huh? Actually, it's not just good karma, is it, Mark? I think it's great, interstellar, out-of-this-world karma. Lunar-powered, perhaps. Maybe even lunar-powered. Well, listen, you might have thought, that these guys, can they possibly go on any more about emotional intelligence? Could they possibly speak more to one of these great books? The answer is yes. So, Mark, let's slay them in the aisles. Let's show them what else we've got about EQ. Yeah, I think we've now made the case, Mike, uh, you and I, and I hope Daniel Goleman would agree, that emotional intelligence is something that we should definitely take more interest in. Now we're going to hear from 1% Better, who's actually going to give us a very quick breakdown on an idea called the ventilation fallacy and how we should all take a breath. Lesson one, the ventilation fallacy. Venting when you're angry prolongs your mood rather than ending it. Goldman tells of a story where he's in New York and he hops in a cab. The impatient cab driver honks the horn, signaling a young man to move out the way. The young man flips a bird so the cab driver yells back, you son of a bitch, followed by revving the engine loudly out of anger. As the cab takes off, the driver then says, you can't take shit from anyone, you gotta yell back, at least it makes you feel better. Contrary to popular belief, Goleman along with findings from multiple studies argues that venting your anger doesn't make you feel better, but instead prolongs and amplifies your anger. It pumps up the emotional brain's arousal and leaves people feeling more angry. Don't get confused though, venting when you're sad can be a great way to get your feelings validated, but isn't as effective when you're angry. So when you feel yourself becoming angry, what can you do to control your anger? A. Take a few deep breaths to help you relax and slow your heart rate. This helps your body go from a high arousal to a low arousal state. B. Go for a walk, but don't indulge in anger-inducing thought. C. As bad thoughts come to you, write them down and then reframe them. For example, if your spouse gets upset at you and storms out the room, instead of thinking, oh, she's so cranky all the time for no reason, it drives me nuts, write down that thought and reframe it to, maybe she's just had a bad day at work. Um, so this is such such an important step to take because there is so much proof that if you smile like this, you actually feel happier. So what we just heard is the inverse. If you're continually, yeah. and you know we've talked about this several times, if you continually go back and relive the anger and frustration you felt with something, it re- it basically brings it back as if you're experiencing that moment again and again. Mm. And again, and that's the power of the thought of let it go. It is what it is. Just move on. So I look at my attention and feeling as a, as a scarce resource. If it's not 
towards productive, constructive, positive, meaningful, fulfilling feelings, emotions, and actions. If I'm not going in that direction, if I catch myself having negative or angry thoughts, I try to interrupt it. Peace mm. and joy. Yeah. That's what I say. Like I literally, peace and joy, as a mantra to try and like literally roadblock the negative thought. Now, like this, is, this is a way you can intercept your brain's pattern because you know how sometimes you can be stewing over something and then you just stew and you stew mm. and you become rotten. You become like one of those characters in Lord of the Rings. Uh, you, t- you turn into like a golem. You're like, you're so twisted by the evil of that bad thought. Just <laughs> be a Frodo, be a Bilbo, let it go. Just it go. orientate yourself. You don't always have to be like kumbaya, life is great, but you can certainly avoid angry, negative uh, patterns of thought because they have zero value to the human state. They are doing nothing for you. They're actually dragging you backwards, Mark. I quite like the the build you you gave there, which is the fact that you are ruminating in those negative uh, mindsets or patterns. You're reliving the the, the bad times. And what we've got on uh, our slide behind us for those watching at home is a very simple breakdown of the human brain. On the left-hand side is all about intelligence, uh, intellectual intelligence, and on the right is emotional intelligence. And the reason why we've got this here is to prove that it is such a substantial part of our being. Mm. Emotional intelligence is part of and half of your brain. So when I'm reliving my, um, let's say, a, an unpleasant moment, and it's, it's, it's pretty tough to never get into a bit of a negative headspace. You know, it does happen. There's a substantial amount of my brain that's putting power into it, yeah. giving it um, real credence, giving it a, an actual element that then hooks onto me. And, you know, to, to build into what you were talking about with the smile, it takes only 13 muscles to smile, but it takes 47 to frown. So in a similar sort of way, you're crazy. Using, which is fun, isn't it? But you're using so much extra energy, wasted energy. Yes. And you're uh, really pushing yourself to a point probably of breaking if you're constantly in that frame of mind, both physically with your body, aching, muscles tensing, whether they're on your face or otherwise, as well as ruminating like a coffee pot and just continually getting darker and thicker. Instead, peace and joy, let it go. And smile, it's much lighter. You're going to be that little bit more positive, people are going to want to hang out with you. <laughs> and ultimately, you're probably going to interpret things in a much stronger, more pleasant way, aren't you? Yeah. And look, you just need to look at the laws of attraction. You know, good things happen to those that think good thoughts, right? So you have to get out there and and make that jump. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy to think, Mark, that we've gone this full cycle from self-awareness understanding how we operate, identifying our emotions, changing our emotional state for the better for ourselves and others. And you would have thought, well, job done, complete show. There's nothing more left in this great book, Emotional Intelligence. I mean, Daniel Goleman, he can't have another good idea, or could he? I don't think so. Oh, wait, no, he does. He's got another great idea, Mike, this time to really bring us back into this frame and theme of relationships. You know, I think we've, again, started to make the case around working on yourself 
to then become a little bit more, let's say, stable, build that foundation of emotional intelligence. But as we know, this is the relationship series. So now let's hear from Daniel Goldman one more time in today's show, this time telling us about maybe a tried method, an area that we are all aware of called flow state. If you ask people honestly about how they feel about their job, a very large proportion are disengaged. It's just a job. I just do enough to keep it. That's, that statement is a rough index of a person having too little cortisol. They're in the wrong brain state at work. As you get such people more motivated, more interested, more engaged, they rise up this arc toward the optimal zone. However, if you give them too much pressure, too little support, too little time, too little staff, too much to do, they start to feel overwhelmed and they keep going to the right and performance suffers. So the art of leadership is to help people get and stay in the optimal state for performance. That is how you get your best return on investment from a salary. And from a neurological point of view, this means helping people get and stay in the best internal state, the best state of their brain. This optimal state is called flow. Flow was discovered by researchers who asked one simple question of a huge variety of people. The question was, tell me about a time when you outdid yourself. Even you were surprised at how well you did. And they asked uh, ballerinas and basketball players and chess champions and surgeons, business people, all kinds of people. And what they discovered was that it didn't matter what domain of skill they were involved in, Everyone who was outstanding at that moment was in the identical internal state. And that state is characterized by several things. One is unperturbable attention. Their focus is 200%. Another element is that you're completely flexible and adaptable. Whatever comes up, you can handle it. Another is that your skills are challenged to their highest level sometimes a little beyond. Another and very important element is it feels great. You get a kind of a rapture or bliss. There's a joy in being in a flow state. So the state where people are performing at their best is also a state where they feel at their best. And a smart leader, an effective leader, an emotionally intelligent leader can help people get and stay in that state. Here's some tips how to create flow. One is clear goals. Clarity about what to do, what the goal is, but flexibility in how to do it. The second is immediate feedback. It helps to know how you're doing. Helps to know if you're getting closer to the goal. The third is to challenge and grow that person's skill set. Give them a, an assignment that stretches them. And more fundamentally, to match people's abilities with the t 
tasks you give them. You don't want someone highly talented to be doing something that's boring for them. Then they're disengaged. You don't want someone to be in the wrong domain of skill. So the leader's task, from this point of view, is to help people get and stay in Oh, it's like we're listening to the brother of Mihai, Csikszentmihalyi, right there, Mark. That's right. But, you know, yeah, you got it right. You know, the thing is, like we talk about deep work by Cal Newport or flow by Mihai, Csikszentmihalyi, but the point that Daniel makes is that to get to flow state, you have to be emotionally skilled, emotionally aware to get yourself there. And, I mean, it scares me to death that so many people turn up to work and don't care. It scares me mm. that people are not engaged and are just, you know, day after day. So to me, if you want to enjoy that exhilaration, that bliss state of working on something that is your work, that you feel uniquely here in the world to do, then not only do you need to set up the conditions of deep work, you know, focus, no distraction, et cetera, good time. But you also need to get yourself emotionally prepared for it. And I think this is crazy because basically from one book, we're learning on how to get yourself right emotionally, how to build great relationships and to find flow state. I mean, this is like three <laughs> books in one. Yeah, you're getting a lot of value for money with, with Daniel Goldman's book here. And I, I think you're totally right, Mike. What, what's so uh, enjoyable about us being able to revisit Mihai Csikszentmihalyi's work on the flow state is this um, reminder that, that Daniel gives us, which is to, like you say, utilize the skills that you work on from an emotional intelligence perspective in order to help yourself manufacture a way into flow state. I think we know the value that we could get from flow state. And we know when we've had the the opportunities, the, the lucky opportunity to get into that, we know it can be pretty productive. This is such a surefire, almost productive um, habit that he's teaching us here, which is through some of those tools that we learned earlier, self-reflection, self-care, as well as asking for immediate feedback. Instead of looking at those things as tasks that you don't really want to do, ah, I don't want to listen to my own thoughts. I don't want to ask my boss for feedback. What happens if he says something bad? Or what happens if I find out something I didn't want to know? Suddenly, you're giving all those things so much power. Remove that power that they have. Take ownership of it. And suddenly, you'll be able to manufacture your way into thinking, right, this is the best way that I can work. I'm going to be able to focus right here because I know how to get there. And I'll be able to understand how to do the same with my team. Right. I mean, this is a great value proposition that I think Daniel's given us here. And one that I'm certainly taking a lot of notes from. <laughs> <laughs> Back to school. Um, yeah. you know, like the thing is that so much of our experience personally and professionally comes down to the idea of life being a team sport. And what is really the currency of a team is their emotions, trust, yeah. togetherness, yeah. focus, collaboration support, all of these kind of things. And what we've learned is you've got to put time and effort into your EQ, into your emotional intelligence. You've got to invest in better understanding yourself and be prepared to care about others. Do that 
and good things are ahead for you. So with so much on offer here, I'm I'm scared to ask the question, what's the homework assignment you're taking for yourself, Mark? I mean, there's a, there's a few good pieces here, Mike. I think for me, though, it's probably the outro. You know, we, we, we heard from Daniel in that last clip, this, this call out to, you know, put into practice those, those foundational tips in order to get us to this blissful point, as he puts it. And I think that's something I, I want to try and work on. I'm trying my hardest to accept feedback and, and look at it in a positive way and so on. So it's taking that into the next step and it's putting it into an actual deliverable, let's call it, that then helps me become that super focused but flexible and dynamic worker that I that I know I can be. Basically, well, what about you, Mike? Basically I'm, Superman. It's going to turn you into Superman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to turn into Superman. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Daniel. That's good. <laughs> what about you? Which which one's standing out today? Uh, listen, I think the first clip, like, you know, emotional intelligence can be last and you need to know yourself. Like I, I just feel like I'm on a lifelong mission to better understand who I am, you know. Um, so that's, that's going to be my homework. But I certainly know you and want to thank you, Mark, for all that you've done to help us pull together this show. And thank you to you, our members, our viewers and listeners, For today, we jumped into a new series with a new expert and guru, Daniel Goleman, and his work, Emotional Intelligence. It's a classic. It's a huge one. So for show 235, we started by learning that emotional intelligence can actually be learned unlike normal cognitive intelligence. So that's a big one. We also got the three secrets to learning this emotional intelligence. We learned about the ventilation fallacy. Stop that venting. Because if you do that... Just on the other side is something called the flow state with yourself and the collaboration with others. Do those things and you shall definitely be on the way to being the best version of yourself because that's what we're all about here on the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.